Something to note, all myths have many versions and variations. For this episode, we've selected those we felt are the most dramatic and entertaining and supplemented them with additional research into ancient Egypt. Our myths may not be the version you're familiar with, but we hope you'll enjoy them. A warning, today's myth contains dramatizations and discussions of violence and murder. Please exercise caution for all listeners under 13. It was early morning on the Nile River Delta. The sun hadn't even risen, but that didn't mean all was still. In fact, not far from the shore, what looked like a young man was attempting to wrestle a hippopotamus. The young Horus laughed as the hippo swung this way and that, trying to shake him free. He tightened his grip around the creature's neck, refusing to let go. His eyes caught a glimpse of his aunt, Nephthys, smiling despite herself from the riverbanks. Horace, leave that poor creature alone. Your mother will kill us both if she hears the fisherman chatting about a boy who wrestles hippos. Just five more minutes. This one's worn down. Maybe we can eat him tonight instead of whatever mom has scrounged up. Now, Horace, I am not stopping time for you again. It's almost dawn. Horace rolled off the hippopotamus's back and ran toward the shore. He knew the animal looked scary, but he never could figure out why everyone in Egypt acted so afraid of them. They weren't that dangerous. All you had to do was climb onto their back and not let go. You had to be strong, of course, and Horace definitely was that. His beleaguered mother Isis was terrified of the hippos. She was terrified of everything, though. The royal guard, passing herders, to her, all of Egypt was a threat. Horus waded out of the shallow waters, out of breath from the early morning exercise. He waved to Nephthys, who waited at the door to the tiny shack that he shared with his mother. While he still didn't think he needed anyone to watch over him, he didn't mind Nephthys hanging around. She was fun. She never told on him when he would swim out to the sea or go fishing for crocodiles. She was also a powerful magician and even taught him a few of her tricks, as long as he didn't use them to get into trouble. I taught you how to see at night so you wouldn't feel tempted to be out here during the day. Yeah, but that's easy witchcraft. You still haven't taught me how to fly. Flying requires control. Besides, you should be getting indoors. We've still got some time before the sun is up. Please, I promise I won't tell mother. Nephthi scanned the horizon and gave Horus a wink as she floated off the ground. If you get attacked by a hawk, don't you dare blame me. Horus's heart leapt. Nephthi snapped her fingers. Immediately, Horus felt different, weightless, like he was swimming in the Nile again. But instead of the quiet pressure of water, he felt nothing but air. He was flying. He felt like a god. Little did he know, that feeling was more than just an idle fancy. Destiny would be coming for him, and he was not prepared for the danger it would bring.
Welcome to Mythology, a Spotify original from Parcast. Every Tuesday, we present dramatic stories from ancient mythology and explore their origins. I'm your host and narrator, Vanessa Richardson. You can find all episodes of Mythology and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Today, we're telling the story of Horus the Younger. After a humble childhood along the shores of the Nile, Horus rose to the very top of the Egyptian pantheon. Along with his mother Isis, the pair would become two of the most influential and popular gods of the ancient world. But first, Horus has to learn that he's more than a boy. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. This episode is brought to you by Amazon Prime. You know Amazon Prime is not just a shipping subscription, right? It's got everything, including streaming TV and movies on Prime Video. And of course, Prime's fast free shipping. Go from watching your favorite shows to getting your favorite things. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit amazon.com/prime to get more out of whatever you're into. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile unlimited premium wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15 just 15 bucks a month. So, give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Dynastic Egypt saw its rulers reign across North Africa for nearly 3000 years before the common era. What started out as a few permanent villages set up along the floodplains of the Nile grew into a sprawling kingdom. Along with their expansion came the growth of religion. As with many ancient peoples, the polytheistic Egyptians worshipped a dysfunctional family of gods where murder and betrayal were rampant. The mighty sun god Ra ruled over the heavens, while his bloodline fought over control of Egypt. As different pharaohs took power, different cults associated with the various gods would rise in prominence. But among the gods, few held as notable a place as Horus the Younger. While Horus the Elder was part of the original pantheon, Horus the Younger far surpassed his namesake in notoriety. Horus the Younger was the child of Isis and Osiris, two of Ra's great-grandchildren who had ruled over Egypt since Ra created humans. Osiris and Isis taught the Egyptians how to grow food. They taught them art and medicine and brought culture to the previously barbaric mortals. The cult of Isis worshiped the mother and her son Horus, similarly to how the Catholic Church reveres Jesus's mother Mary. Horus the Younger was seen as a protector for all Egyptians, a uniter of the country. But while the kindness and mercy of Isis and Osiris endeared them to the humans, it sparked jealousy among the gods, most notably with the trickster god Set. 
Set murdered Osiris and claimed the throne of the earth for himself, throwing Egypt into chaos. With Isis in hiding, there were no challenges to the throne. Or so Set thought. Horus flapped his arms. No, his wings. They were covered in beautiful golden feathers. The young man had never experienced magic so powerful. He couldn't believe he was soaring over the Nile. Far below, he caught his reflection in the raging current. He was a falcon. The giant hippo he'd been wrestling with looked like it was no bigger than a cat crawling through the reeds. Soaring beside him was another falcon that sounded just like his aunt. Are you gonna test out those wings or did I turn you into a falcon for nothing? Horus shot straight up in the air as he pushed his new body higher and higher into the sky. The Nile became nothing more than a line in the sand beneath him. On the edge of the horizon, Horus saw hundreds of slaves gathered at the gates of Set's palace, rebuilding the walls the king had destroyed in his coup. Foreigners and Egyptians alike, anyone who opposed Set's rule was quickly enslaved. The dangers of Egypt went far beyond the predators of the Nile. The country was in tatters. Since he was a boy, his mother had told him of the glory days of Osiris, a kindly ruler who was killed alongside his queen by Set. The Egypt of Osiris was a land of peace and prosperity. That Egypt sounded like a dream. Horus hated Set's authoritarian regime, the one that had driven his mother from the comfort of the city to a meager existence out in the Delta. Horus pushed the negative thoughts from his mind. He didn't want that poisoning his newfound joy of flying. Horus banked a wide turn, basking in the bright morning sun, and dove down toward the Nile. His wings skimmed the water's surface. Horus smiled. He was happy. But the happiness was short-lived. As he glided toward his shack, a familiar face waited out front. It was his mother, Isis, and her sun-scarred expression was furious. Horus and Nephthys flew in a straight path down to the shack. Nephthys snapped her fingers as soon as they both landed. Horus felt his body transform once again. He felt heavier. He'd never noticed how awkward he was as a human until he became a bird. Isis didn't give either one of them time to speak. Nephthys, what were you thinking? We've worked for years to lay low. You cannot risk everything because your nephew wants to fly. There was no one around for miles. No humans, maybe. But what if Set saw you? Set never leaves the palace. He's definitely not gonna walk all the way to the Nile. Look at your son, he's practically a man. It's time. At some point, he's gonna figure out that simple magicians can't turn humans into falcons. What are you two talking about? Horus shouted to get their attention. He hated it when they talked about him like he wasn't there. He looked to his mother. Her face was red, but she didn't look angry anymore. She looked embarrassed. Her jaw hung open, but no words came out. Horus had never seen his mother speechless before. He's not ready. 
You saw him in the air? Egypt is falling apart and the only thing Set is building is his harem. Now's the time. Tell him about his father. Horus felt a lump stick in his throat. Now he was speechless. His mother refused to talk about his father. All Horus knew was that his father was dead. Isis turned toward her son. She took his hand in hers. You have heard the story of how Set killed Osiris and stole the throne. But what I told you is only half true. Which part isn't true? Why would we be hiding if Set wasn't a horrible tyrant? Oh, he is, and worse than I've told you. The part that isn't true is, well, Osiris's wife wasn't killed along with him. She escaped with her newborn son in her arms. You mean... Yes, that's why we cannot go near the city, why I don't like you going out when the sun is up. Your very existence is the greatest threat to Set's rule. Until now, the only ones who knew the truth were myself and Set's wife, my dear sister, Nephthys. Horace's heart raced. His legs wobbled beneath him as he glanced from his mother to Nephthys. His aunt nodded sheepishly. Horace's whole world had been turned upside down. Osiris is my father? The Osiris? Yes. My sister and I aren't magicians. Our powers don't come from tricks and spells. We are gods, and so are you. Gods? If we are gods, then why are we living in a shack? And how can you trust Nephthys if she's married to Set? We should be overthrowing her husband and freeing the slaves, not living in fear. Set is the god of chaos, a murderous warrior who's been hunting me for years. Nephthys is the only reason we are alive today. I'm sorry we've lied to you, but I couldn't risk telling you before you were ready. Ready for what? Horace's head felt like it was floating back in the clouds above the Nile. He looked to Nephthys for some comfort or reason, but she had none to give. Her face was unmoved, her typical mischievous smile nowhere to be seen. Ready to challenge Set for the throne. Set is more powerful than your mother or I. He will certainly kill us for this betrayal. We needed you, Horace. You are the only one who can restore Egypt. All eyes turned to Horus. His mouth felt as dry as the Sahara. This morning he was just a boy playing in the river. Now all of Egypt rested on his shoulders. Coming up, Horus comes face to face with his father's murderer. Hi, it's Carter from ParCast, and I'm hosting the new limited series, Hollywood Scandals. We all know that Tinseltown is the land of glitz and glamour, but look closer past the allure of bright lights and red carpets. There, you'll find a more disturbing tale, one filled with tragedies and transgressions so damaging they've turned hopes and dreams into high-profile nightmares. Every Monday on this Spotify original, discover the real-life dramas of some of entertainment's biggest names. From the mysterious drowning of Natalie Wood 
and the murder trials of comedian Fatty Arbuckle to the star clients of Hollywood Madam Heidi Fleiss. Each episode of Hollywood Scandals has been curated from shows across the ParCast network, covering over a century's worth of controversies, from the silent era into the digital age. Fame and fortune may be fleeting, but scandals, they stand the test of time. Follow the Spotify original from ParCast, Hollywood Scandals. Listen free only on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Amazon Prime. You know Amazon Prime is not just a shipping subscription, right? It's got everything, including streaming TV and movies on Prime Video. And of course, Prime's fast, free shipping. Go from watching your favorite shows to getting your favorite things. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more out of whatever you're into. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Now back to the story. Horace looked to his mother, tears welling in her eyes. Everything he knew was a lie, and now he was facing down a greater responsibility than anyone his age should ever confront. He steadied his breathing. If he was a god, he ought to carry himself like one. Horace stuck out his jaw and puffed out his chest. How do we do it? How do we defeat Seth? Do I challenge him to a fight? <laughs> a fight? Oh, that's a terrible idea. He will kill you immediately. Your father was one of the best of our kind, and Seth murdered him twice. Twice? It's a long story. I fought hippos and crocodiles, hyenas and lions. I can fight a god. Respectfully, you cannot, no matter what your pride tells you. Your mother and I have been planning this day since you were born. You are the key to our plan. We'll have to present your case for you and hope they support your claim. Present my case to who? Almighty Ra? Great-grandfather will be there, but no. If we present to just him, he'll side with Set. He always does. No, we need the full backing of the Council of the Gods, the Ennead. Our family holds all the seats on the council, but we'll need every living member to be there, including Set, and he hasn't shown his face for years. Tell him I'm alive. I bet that will entice him. He'd show up in the heavens with an entire army. It's not his first coup, remember? Horace stared at his mother. Her cautiousness suddenly made sense. She had lost so much. Her relationship with her entire family, the life of a goddess, all to ensure his safety. His heart burned with shame and anger. He couldn't comprehend the stakes of the heavens. He didn't care about the glory of ruling Egypt or know what that would even entail. But his mother had given up everything for him, and he wasn't going to let that be for naught. Suddenly, her anguish gave him an idea. 
If Set has been hunting for my mother, wouldn't her sudden reappearance bring him out? Remind him of his failure to catch me. Hmm, now there's an idea. Yes, I think it just might work. Isis waved her hand. Suddenly, the high reeds and lush greens of the Nile Delta disappeared in the blink of an eye. Horus looked around. They were standing in the middle of an island, surrounded on all sides by crystal clear water. A long, pointed shadow fell over Horus. He turned around to see an obelisk rising straight out of the sand and high into the sky. Behind the obelisk was a sprawling palace with gates made of jasper. He couldn't believe it. He was standing at the gates of Ben-Ben. Horus had heard his mother talk about this place before, but only as the mythical home to the gods. He never imagined that she was talking about her own home. Isis stood with her back to her son. She again waved her hand, and the massive gates creaked open. A long, gold hallway lay on the other side. Isis turned back. She no longer looked like the nervous, poverty-stricken woman living on the edge of the Delta. She looked youthful, strong. Atop her head sat a golden crown, shaped like a throne. She looked like the goddess she was meant to be. Isis raised her hand toward the sky. The sand around Horus spun to life, swirling around him. Slowly it melded together, forming long, spindly legs and thick, armored tails with stingers curled at the end. Isis had made six human-sized scorpions from nothing. They formed a circle around the three gods. If I'm making my official return, I should make a show of it. Nephthys, find Set. Tell him I've come back. Nephthys kissed Isis on the cheek and disappeared in a flash. Isis looked to her son and reached out her hand. I know this has been a trying day. And when you see Set, if you were anything like your father, you were going to want to slay him immediately. But you must control yourself. No one besides Nephthys knows you exist. Yes, Mother. We will have to find the right moment for your appearance. Until then, I've worked up a disguise. Isis reached out her hand and stroked her son's cheek. For the third time that day, Horus felt his body change. His balance shifted forward, his hands turned into claws, his spine grew into a long, thorny tail. As far as anyone was concerned, Horus was just another of Isis's scorpion guards. Isis marched into the gates, her head held high. Geb! Newt! Your daughter has returned! Footsteps thundered through the golden hallway. Geb, the god of the earth, and Newt, the goddess of the sky, appeared at the end of the hall. Geb clasped his hand over his mouth in shock. They raced to embrace his mother. Horus felt a shiver up his spine witnessing this reunion. These were his grandparents. 
Horace wished that he could join in, but he couldn't betray any emotion. Fortunately, scorpions were not the most expressive of creatures, so his uncertainty went unnoticed. Mother, father, summon the others. I'm calling the Ennead to order. Horace stood behind his mother as she sat at a long granite table, her parents fawning over her. The reality of what she had given up began to sink in. The meeting room of the gods was as ornate as he expected. Gold trim lined the walls and ceiling. Everything shined like new, like it had never known a speck of dirt. The doors swung open. Horace stood at attention. One by one, his family entered. Horace the Elder, his namesake, Shu, the god of warm air, and Tefnut, the goddess of moisture, they all took their seats and turned expectantly toward Isis. She had never called the Ennead to gather before. Everyone expected big news. Isis stood from her chair and took a deep breath. Then a booming sound came from the entranceway. Horus jerked his head toward the noise. The heavenly palace shook. Smoke filled the room, making it nearly impossible to see. But Horus could make out the shape of two figures in the center. One was unmistakably his aunt. And the two pointed ears and long snout of the canine-headed man to her left was the ruler of Egypt, Set, his father's murderer. Horace's mind raced between fleeting terror and righteous anger. Here was the source of all his mother's pain and anguish. He wondered if his scorpion tail was functional or just for show. He took a deep breath. He couldn't act hastily. He would have to wait for his mother's cue. Nephthys took her seat as Set marched down to the end of the table, stopping next to Isis. He leaned down to her and kissed her hand. Isis, my lovely sister, it is so nice of you to finally come back into the fold. Egypt is, admittedly, a bit of a mess right now. But with you back, a united Egypt will be stronger than ever. I want you to know there is no need to apologize for your churlish behavior of the past. Isis forced a tight smile. Horus knew the restraint it took her not to rise to his taunt. She turned away from Set and faced the Ennead. My brother is right. I have returned to unite Egypt, to humble myself before the one true ruler of all of Ra's creations. <laughs> oh, you are too kind. Dear brother, what makes you think I am talking about you? Isis released Set's hand and pointed toward Horus. With a snap of her fingers, he transformed from the scorpion back into his human form. Gasps filled the room. Every godly face turned toward Horus. Set's ears fell back against his head, shocked at the revelation. Horus stepped forward. He glanced toward his mother. She smiled at him. 
All his nerves of the moment melted away. He wasn't a boy any longer. He was a god. I am Horus, son of Osiris, and I am here to stake my claim as the rightful heir to the throne of Egypt. The son of Osiris? Impossible! This is a sham! A ruse! The Ennead cannot strip me of my crown and hand it over to this boy! Set scanned the room looking for backup, but all eyes were on Horus. Horus glared at his uncle. This is one of her tricks! Isis would say anything to get back at me. She's hateful, awful, nasty woman. He's probably a simple fisherman. Chatter filled the room as the gods whispered among themselves. Horus didn't take his eyes off of Set. He hoped he would attack. Set didn't look like he could put up much of a fight. Horus was certain he could defeat him in battle. And by the way Set was babbling, Horus took it that Set thought so too. Horus the Elder stood from the table. He raised a glass toward Horus the Younger. Shu and Tefnut did the same. So did Geb and Newt, recognizing the rightful heir. Isis turned toward her son and raised her glass. Finally, Nephthys stood and did the same. Horus smiled. The gods had done it. Without a drop of blood shed, Horus was going to claim the throne. Set became apoplectic. Have you all lost your minds? You can't strip me of my crown. Where's Ra? Ra! It's over, brother. Horus is the rightful heir. Step aside. Suddenly, blinding light flooded into the room, emanating from the doorway. A tall man with a large sun disk sitting atop the head of a falcon entered. Everyone in the room dropped to their knees. It was the god of all, Ra. Isis, Horus the Younger, welcome to Benben. You two belong here. I've heard everything that just transpired here, and while the council might have decided, I haven't. Horus might be the one true ruler, but he's just a boy, and Egypt is a mess. Egypt is a mess because of Set. That may be, but Set deserves a chance to right his wrongs. He has experience. He's a warrior and a leader. I'm overruling the Ennead. Set will remain the god of Egypt. Horus couldn't control his rage. People were talking about him like he wasn't there again. He swung his fist into the granite, shattering the council's table. Everyone jumped at the sudden violence. Horus picked up one of the shards of rock and crushed it in his hand as he stared at Set. The jackal-like face smirked back. Ra had spoken. There was nothing Horus could do about it. Horus turned toward Ra. I can't rule because I'm a child and not a warrior like Set. These others might cower at your feet, but your rules mean nothing to me. I'll prove to you I can lead Egypt when I destroy Set. Horus turned toward Set and charged. He was so blinded by rage that he did not hear his mother calling for him to stop. 
Coming up, Horace gets more than he bargained for. This episode is brought to you by Etsy. Looking to instantly upgrade your Mother's Day gift from typical to meaningful? Shop Etsy. Now until May 12th, get up to 30% off personalized jewelry, style, decor, and so many other items mom will love. And if you want her to know you put a ton of thought into her present, use Gift Mode. Gift Mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting so you can easily find well-crafted, original, and affordable pieces from small shops. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about mom, and Gift Mode instantly gives you curated ideas based on hundreds of personas. Need something original and affordable for Mother's Day? Etsy has it. Shop until May 12th for up to 30% off gifts for mom. Terms apply. Now back to the story. Horus had had enough. The gods had disrespected his mother and his dead father. Ra had even overruled his very own council, who had named Horus rightful ruler of Egypt. He had tried to do things his mother's way. Now Horus was going to take matters into his own hands. Horus charged at Set and threw his shoulder into his uncle's midsection. The tackle should have taken the two to the ground, but Horus and Set kept falling. The floor had disappeared beneath them. The world of Benben was gone, and all Horus could see was a sea of blue and puffs of white streaking past. This had to be some of Set's trickery. He had transported them out of the heavens as quickly as his mother had transported them there. Set had lured him in, like his father before him. The two gods were hurtling through the sky. Horus caught glimpses of the ground below, a wide, desolate desert, a streak of a mighty river emptying out into a green delta. They were above Egypt, and the ground was approaching fast. The two gods crashed into the wide river mouth and sank deep into the waters. Their bodies slammed against the sandy bottom. Horus felt the slightest twinge of relief. If he had to fight a god, it helped that he was going to do it on his home turf of the delta. Horus quickly swam to the surface and toward the shallows. Once he got his footing, he whirled around, ready for Set to come surging after. But his uncle did not appear. The water before him was empty. Show yourself, coward! I don't know why you're hiding. I'm just a boy, aren't I? Horus swayed. The ground shook and the water rolled to the side as a giant mass emerged in front of his eyes. Thick, grayish skin, bigger than any elephant, with a gaping maw wide enough for Horus to stand in, teeth sparkling like daggers. It was a hippopotamus. His day started fighting a hippo, and it was going to end the same way. Its head looked like it was made from solid stone. Horus had never seen a beast quite like this, nor had he ever heard one speak before. Yes, Horus. You are just a boy. And I will show you the difference between a boy and a god. 
Set lunged at Horus, jaws wide open. His teeth sunk into Horus's torso. Blood filled the water as the two thrashed around in the shallows. Set pinned Horus to the bottom of the river, plunging the young god deep into the muck. If Horus had been just a boy, he would be dead by now. But Horus was a god, and one that had spent a great deal of time wrestling with hippos every day of his young life. Horus grabbed a stick from the riverbed and jammed it into the softest spot he could find, Set's ear. Set screamed and released his jaws. Horus slid out of Set's mouth and grabbed hold of the beast's leg. With all his strength, Horus flung his enemy onto the shore. Horus leaped from the water and landed on top of the Set hippo. He sat on the crown of his head and rained blows onto the scalp and snout below. The armor-like skin of Set burst open and blood rushed into the Nile. Horus didn't let up. His knuckles cracked, his own blood mixing with his uncle's. The behemoth slowly began to shrink in size. Set transformed from the hippo back into a man. Horus was wearing down the old god. He smiled. He was going to get vengeance for his mother. But Horus was still blinded by his rage. He didn't see that Set had something in his newly formed hand. It was a knife. In a single quick move, Set plunged it right into Horus's eye. The young god's vision was swallowed in blood and pain, but Horus barely paused his barrage. He pulled the knife from his eye and raised it high above his head. He would kill Set himself. Stop! The scream of his mother was the last thing Horus heard before a bolt of lightning shot through his body. Isis stood alone with Ra in his chambers. No other gods around, just the god of all gods and his great-granddaughter, the former co-ruler of Egypt, Isis. The two gods watched from the heavens as a bleeding, beaten, and very confused set searched the delta for Horus's body. But it was nowhere to be found. The young god had simply disappeared. Set dragged himself out of the river and across the Sahara toward his earthly palace. I spared your favorite, Ra. Will you now concede Egypt to its rightful god? I will have the Eye of Ra restore your son's sight while he recovers here. But I still believe that Set is best suited to rule over Egypt. How can you say that? Our world is falling apart. Your humans are starving, they live in squalor and are constantly at war. If Set was going to fix this, he would have done it by now. He murdered my husband. He has done enough damage to this world and this family. Set is one of us. He cares about the humans. He cares about its women, and he only seems to care about them if they lie with him. So be it. If you can get Set to admit to his wrongdoing, I'll acknowledge Horus as the rightful god of Egypt. Ra smirked. 
Isis knew that Ra thought he had given her an impossible task, but Set wasn't the only god with a trick up his sleeve. Isis wasted no time. With a snap of her fingers, she disappeared from the heavens. Isis transported herself to the gates of Set's palace. With one twirl, she completely changed her appearance. Her hair lightened. Her tunic became a revealing sash of purple silk. She looked like a princess from a far-off land. Isis sank onto the steps near the gate of Set's palace and stared out into the desert. Just across the horizon was Set. Isis buried her head in her hands and began to sob. <laughs> the heavy, dragging footsteps let Isis know Set was approaching. He was always too lazy to pick up his feet. She wailed, putting on the dramatic performance of her life. Excuse me, your highness. Why do you weep? What could the ruler of Egypt do to put a smile on your face? Self-satisfied smarm dripped from every word Set spoke. Isis had to resist the urge to murder him herself. She wiped the tears from her eyes. Set had cleaned himself up, though he was still bleeding from his ear. That did bring a smile to Isis's face. Are you the king of this land? Oh, I'm much more than a mere king. You are? You are the answer to my prayers. I've been on the run. My kingdom lies in tatters. Princess, simply point me in the direction of whoever has wronged you. My husband, the king, was murdered by his brother. I had to flee with our child, the rightful heir to the throne. His brother will not rest until he kills us. Not if I, the Almighty Set, have anything to say about it. This is an atrocity. A brother killing his own to sit on a throne of lies? Has he no shame? I will unleash the full power of Egypt on this interloper and restore you and your son to your rightful seat. Isis wiped her hand across her face, revealing her true appearance. Set's jaw dropped. In a flash, he lunged toward his sister, arms outstretched. But Isis was too quick. She snapped her fingers, transporting them back into Ra's chambers. Waiting for them around the shattered table of the council's chambers was Ra and Horus with his new eye. Isis stared at Ra. There is your confession. Yes, that was a confession. Of sorts. But I'm still not convinced that Horus is mature enough to rule over all of Egypt. So I shall split it in two. Horus, you shall rule over the Delta and Lower Egypt. Set, you will take the desert. The wilderness of Upper Egypt is yours. Isis and Set both exploded in anger, shouting at each other, shouting at Ra. But Horus stood by quietly. The young man cleared his throat and stepped toward Ra. Ra stomped his foot. The explosive sound quieted the gods. The boy has something to say. This solution will not bring peace and prosperity to Egypt. It will still be a country in disarray. 
The people of the wilderness will stand with Set, and the people of the Delta will stand with me. And this war that has raged within Egypt will only continue to grow. I do not wish to see Egyptian enslaved by Egyptian. I will step aside before I watch such a thing happen. No one spoke a word. Set smiled, pleased with the decision, but so did Isis. That was a mature answer. That was the answer of a man. Ra smiled as well. He nodded toward Horus. Spoken like the true god of Egypt. Set, you will return to the heavens. You will guide my ship and fight beside me. You are a warrior, not a leader. You were right, Isis. I had let my love of Set blind me to his failings. Egypt needs not only a brave and courageous leader, but a kind one. Someone like Osiris. Or you, Horus. Set stormed out of the room, unwilling to look anyone in the eye. Horus paid him no mind as he dropped to his knee to honor Ra. Stand up, Horus. There is no need for you to kneel before me. You might end up the greatest of us all. Horus the Younger and his mother returned to Egypt. They retaught the Egyptians all the ways of old, of culture and medicine, just like Osiris did. They united all Egyptians under the banner of their familial line, that of the pharaohs. Horus rose in stature even among the gods, when Ra grew old and decided to step aside, it was Horus the Younger that he merged his form with. Horus had risen from hiding in reeds in the Delta all the way to the God of Gods. The story of Horus and Set was passed down for centuries in ancient Egypt, but became wildly popular during the 20th dynasty at the beginning of the 11th century BCE. Egypt was going through a bit of an identity crisis. The formerly mighty kingdom had again split into two bodies, the lower and upper. Various outside tribes had reclaimed regions on the outskirts of Egypt, and war among the tribes within Egypt became more common. The people of Egypt needed a hero and a uniter that they could believe in, and they found it in Horus the Younger. It was around this same time that women began to fill a more prominent role in governance. As the worship of Horus took off, so did the worship of his mother, Isis. The cult of Isis became one of the most popular sects of Egyptian religion, with temples to Isis being built on Italian and Greek islands, all showcased images of the mother and her child. Horus's story of a young man rising from nothing to reach the highest rungs of Egyptian theology resonated with the people of Egypt. He provided a symbol of hope that no matter how dire the situation might be, there is always a path forward. That cruel and incompetent rule doesn't last forever, but the memory of a champion just might.
Thanks again for tuning in to Mythology. We'll be back Tuesday with a new episode. You can find more episodes of Mythology and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. If you enjoy mythology, you'll love my other podcast, Tales. Traditional fairy tales aren't exactly suitable for children, and every Wednesday we dive into another dark, classic tale. We'll be back next Tuesday with another epic story. Mythology is a Spotify original from Parcast. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler. Sound design by Brian Golub, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Freddie Beckley. This episode of Mythology was written by Jesse Harris, with writing assistance by Andrew Kelleher, fact-checking by Bennett Logan, and research by Adriana Gomez. The amazing cast of voice actors includes Joe Hernandez, Kai Jordan, Rebecca Thomas, and Jen Wong. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Hey there, Carter again. Before you go, remember to check out my new podcast limited series, Hollywood Scandals. In anticipation of the Oscars, we're unearthing some of the most sordid controversies in showbiz history. Tune in every Monday. Follow Hollywood Scandals free only on Spotify.